Turn over your announcements to the notes. Today's lesson is on the names of God. How many enjoyed this lesson last week? Did you come back for more? Come on, say amen. We are learning about who our God is by his names. Just take some good notes as we go through this with you. Last week we talked about God's name is Jehovah. Everybody say Jehovah. It's Yahweh in the original Hebrew, Yohevahe, the Tetragrammaton, which is the four consonants of God's name. You don't have to know this for a test, by the way. I'm just reviewing it with you. The name Jehovah basically means self-existent one. So when we refer to our God, he is not the same as the God of Islam. He is not the same as the God of Buddhism. The God of the Bible is distinctly different from Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, the triune God of Hinduism. Our God has defined himself by his name, Yahweh, I am who I am. Now somebody might say, well, pastor, we all have the same God. Of course we do. But you can't call him by any name you want. Can I call you Bob? No, I have to call you by your name. Now, the great thing about God is that he's not like what the Jehovah Witnesses teach, that you just have to call him Jehovah. No, he allows you to translate his name into different languages. First, starting off with the Hebrew, Yohevahe, we don't speak that, so it's okay to say Yahweh. Everybody say Yahweh. Then if you were in the time of the German Reformation from the Catholic Church, we took the name Yahweh and translated it to Jehovah. And I wish I had a better Jehovah uh, uh, German accent, but do your best and say it with the German accent, Jehovah. That uh, sounds more Asian, but I tried. And then when you translate Jehovah into English, we have the word Lord. Everybody say Lord. Lord means self-existent one in our English language. Now, God told Moses, this is who I am, and tell everybody else, this is who I am. But he's also the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We learn that the word God is the Hebrew word El, also written out Elohim, but translated both ways into our English word God. And it was a word used by pagans to refer to the ultimate God of the universe. We say it in English, God, they said El or Elohim. But Jesus, or rather the, the Father in the Old Testament, distinguished himself from El, just being a generic type of God, and said he is Yahweh. How can I relate this to you? Are you a human being? But is that your name? No. Is God a God? Yes. But is that his name? You see the difference. You're a man, you're a woman, you're a human being, but you also have a name. God is of the God kind of being. That is what he is. You can call him God, El Elohim in the Hebrew, or you can call him by his name, the name of the God he is, and he is Yahweh. Now, Yahweh translated into Jehovah is a little bit, Jehovah is a little bit easier for us to say because we came from the German Reformation. And these are the names that we get. Jehovah Jireh. Jireh being the Hebrew word for provider. We reviewed this last week. Genesis chapter 2 verse 14. Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son Isaac and God says at the point of the sacrifice, don't do it. I was just testing you. I myself will provide the lamb. When he said, I myself will provide, he said the word Jehovah Jireh. Are you all listening to me? He told us by his name that he is a provider. And did he not provide the lamb? And what is the lamb's name? 
What is his name, y'all? Can we get a little more excited? What's his name? Jesus. Amen. Never get bored of saying that name. Jehovah Jireh. He provides. Number two, Jehovah Rophi. That means that God is our healer. We learn in Exodus 15, 20-26, that as the Israelites were being led out of Egypt, that they came into a place of bitter waters. And we talked about that in life. You'll face bitter situations. And you'll sometimes say, God, where are you? But what is God doing? He's doing what he did with the Israelites. He brings you to bitter waters to show you that he makes bitter things taste sweet. As the Bible said, Moses cut off a tree, put it into the water, and it became sweet. And he said, I brought you to this place so you could know that I am Jehovah Rapha. Everybody say Rapha. And that means the Lord who heals. He takes the bitter times, the hurtful times of our lives, and he turns them into something sweet. I can look back at some of the hardest times I've ever been through, losing my sister to drinking and driving, losing my grandparents, having tremendous loss in the ministry and facing financial troubles. When I was in those bitter times, God was with me. And through those times of crying and weeping, he made it sweet to me that he was with me. And now when I look back on those times, I hardly remember the pain of the actual event, but I remember. Remember the greatness of my God during the event. I don't think about the great loss of my sister. I think about the great closeness of my God when I lost my sister. I don't think about the time when I had nothing and how I struggled so much to pay my bills. I think about how he was there comforting me, holding me together. He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer, healing us emotionally and physically. We also learn that he is Jehovah Nisi. Everybody say Nisi. That's a little Italian, eh? A little Nisi. He's Jehovah Nisi. In Exodus 17, 15, when the Israelites went to battle, Moses' hands had to be lifted up so that they would win the battle. But he began to get tired. And so Joshua and Caleb came and lifted up his hands. And as long as Moses' hands were lifted up, the people of Israel won the battle. But whenever his hands went down, they lost. And so they held him up high until the battle was won. And then God God said to him, as Moses lifted up his hands and you guys won, I am a banner of victory over your life. Everywhere you go, there is a banner of victory over your life. That means what you, go th- what you come into, you will go through. You won't just stay in the valley. The Bible doesn't say you stay in the valley. The Bible says you walk through the valley. He is your victory. And then we lastly learned uh, last week that he is Jehovah Mikadesh. Everybody say Mikadesh. The Lord who sanctifies. We learned in Leviticus chapter 27 through 8 that you and I are very unclean. That we come into this world with propensities and desires to sin. And I can just tell you I'm learning this more and more every day with little Bethany. And I know you guys think I'm a crazy parent, but I'm I'm just trying to figure this out. Who teaches my daughter to lie? Who teaches her to touch something when I tell her not to? And gosh darn it, who taught her to throw a fit when she doesn't get what she wants? I want to know who's sneaking into my house. And teaching my daughter all of these bad things. 
My friends, if I went looking for the culprit, would I find one? No, but technically, yes, I would. And who is really at fault for my daughter's lying, for her ability to steal, for her ability to manipulate and be greedy? Who is the culprit for my daughter's mistakes? Her own self. The Bible says mankind is born in sin. Sin is what comes natural. No one teaches her how to lie. No one teaches her how to sin. But it comes so natural. As a matter of fact, we as parents kind of have to break that, don't we? And we see bad parenting when parents don't break that. You know, it's hard to tell the truth. You must teach your children to tell the truth. It's hard to want to share your toy after you got it and you love it so much. We have to teach sharing, don't we? Well, the Bible says that he is our sanctifier. The Bible teaches us through this word that God will cleanse you. Yes, men, I want every man to look at me, please. All the men. You need to be taught how to keep these eyes pure when you look at women because you don't know how to. You don't. You will lust all the days of your life. You'll be just like your best friends that you had growing up in high school. Talk about it in the the lunchroom. Talk about it in the, the locker room. Whistle as the girls walk by. You'll have it in your heart. Every man in here, you need God to sanctify your eyes. Women, let me touch on your little things right here. You need someone to teach you not to be jealous. Because inside that nature of a woman, she has to be jealous of her nest. She has to pluck her feathers and look at herself like the big hen. And if someone else comes in with a nicer little little dress, she becomes jealous. If someone has a nicer little nest, she becomes jealous. Oh, and God forbid another hen comes and talks to her hen. Oh, she'll come jealous. She'll fight over that. Where were you? Who are you with? Honey, I was at work. That's my boss. I don't care if she's your boss. She can't talk to you. Oh, you women looking at me crazy. I know who you are. I know who you are, ladies. Don't try to play off jealousy with me. I've seen it too many times. But God will sanctify you. He'll come into your heart and say, you can trust that man if he's a man of God. You don't have to be jealous over what women have and don't have. You don't have to be jealous over your house, over your clothes, over your shoes. You already have 200 of them in your closet anyways. And you certainly don't need to be jealous over a purse, a hairdo, makeup, or who's got the most friends, young people, because he sanctifies. Are you ready for today's lesson? Today's lesson is he is Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Turn with me to Judges chapter 6, verse 24. And if you thought I talked fast before, get ready, because I'm going to wrap this up in 15 minutes for you today, because we had a long retreat. We've had a tough service today at the beginning with the transition of our ministry. So if you'll allow me for the next five principles, I'll go through them each in three minutes. And then you can get the notes if you want more information. Judges 6.24. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is what? Peace. Deuce. The Lord is peace. Everybody throw up the deuce. Come on. Peace. To this day it stands in Ophrah of the Ebrazites. Here you see that Gideon went through a battle after he won it. There was peace in the land. And God said, my name is peace. I am Jehovah Shalom. 
God will bring peace to your life today. Whatever situation you're facing, call upon God. He can bring you peace. He is the Prince of Peace through Jesus Christ who will one day stand upon this earth and resolve all of the conflicts of the world. There will be peace in the Middle East when the Prince of Peace comes. And there will be peace right now between the G's and the Latin kings when Jesus comes into their lives. There will be peace right now in the home between the troubled marriage of a wife and a husband when they make God the center of their home. There will be peace in the family when teenagers and children along with parents call upon His name, Jehovah Shalom, and follow His ways. He will bring peace into that situation. I don't know about you, but I love the water, and I'm always out on the water in one way or another. In New Orleans, I used to shark fish. Here, I go wakeboarding, and I had a boat. And I'll tell you one thing you don't want to have happen to you when you're on the water. You don't want a storm to come. That is no bueno. Are you listening to me? And when those waves start coming, you can get nervous. Now, let me tell you, fishermen are very comfortable on the water. If you've ever watched the deadliest catch, anybody ever watched? Watch that. Those guys are in the Alaskan waters. Those rolls of waves can be upwards of 20 feet high, and they're still out there fishing. I can tell you something. It would take a lot to make a fisherman scared of being on the water. Are you listening? It will take a lot of waves. But the Bible says there was a time when Jesus was with the 12 disciples. The waves were so bad, the fishermen were freaking out going, We're going to die! And then they went to Jesus. And guess where Jesus was? Sleeping. Think about that. The storm was so bad. Fishermen, the men like the deadliest catch, were freaking out going, we're going to die. And Jesus was sleeping. He then stood up and said, peace, be still. The waves, the wind, the water listened to his voice. And it became perfectly calm. He is the Prince of Peace. You may be freaking out right now in your life saying, there ain't no way this thing's coming through. I'm getting through this. There ain't no way this thing's going to change. It is terrible. I'm going to die. And guess what Jesus is doing right now? He's saying, just let me know when you're ready for me to handle it. Call on me and I'll take care of it for you. You see, what we call a problem, God calls an answer. What we call a trouble, God calls a miracle. You see, God can come in ways that you and I can't. That's why He's God. I want to challenge you. In the hardest, most troubling storms of your life, call upon Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, and He will come and calm the storm. If I had a church that was excited, you would be shouting by now. But I'll preach better than your shouting. Amen, walls. They got my back. Come on. Turn with me now to Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5. Jehovah Shikanu, T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U, Shikanu. That is a Hebrew word, and it means the Lord, our righteousness. He is a righteous God. Not only does He wash you clean, what it means to be sanctified, but He brings you righteousness. The Bible says the best deeds you and I have ever done are filthy rags in His sight. Does anybody know the Bible definition of a filthy rag? It's what we flush down the toilet after going deuce. The Bible says your best works are filthy rags in His sight. So that means if anybody thinks they're going to stand before God and go, Okay, God, I'm in heaven now. 
Let me tell you what I've done. I've helped people across the street. I've paid my taxes. I've taken care of my children. And God, here's the best one. I didn't murder anybody. I didn't rape anybody. You know what God is going to say? Depart from me. I never knew you. He will take the filthy rag. The Bible says, listen, and punish eternally in hell. Eternally. You might say, well, pastor, I I, I thought that was pretty good. You know, I didn't murder. I didn't steal. I didn't kill anybody. What you don't understand is that your sin disqualifies all your righteousness. And here's the example. If I had a glass of water in front of you right now, and then I put just 0.1% of anthrax in that water, is that water contaminated Ishmael working for Pepper Environment in the hazmat division? 0.1%. It's 9 99.9% water-ish. Can we have that flowing through a downtown building for the people to drink? It is all contaminated. Oh, you don't believe me? Take it. Take it. Just try. And if you say, Pastor, I don't want to die. Okay, have your neighbor just spit in it then. Your spittle in a cup of water will still be about just maybe 1% or 0.1% contamination. Do you want to drink that? No, because it contaminates the whole thing. That one time you sinned contaminated you, contaminated me, contaminated the world. And not only did we just do it 0.1%, I think if we've looked through our life, there were some times that we were probably about 50-50. Come on. Some of us were maybe about 80-20. I'm the only one. Okay, I wish I had an amen from somebody up in here that would admit they were a bad mamma jamma before they got saved. I'll tell on myself with the microphone, I know who I was before I was saved, and sin riddled my life. But look at it in verse 5. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is right in the land. It says right here, I will raise up to the Lord a righteous branch, and that is Jesus, the Lord, our Righteousness. I want to give you another one to clarify the Jehovah Shikanu. Go down to verse 6, my brother. And here goes, show verse 6. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord our... What will he be called? The Lord our... So today, call upon him. If you're not right, Call upon the Lord of righteousness. If you've done things wrong, call upon the Lord who does things right. He will change you. There is no excuse for us to live in sin. There's no excuse. We know better. I want to tell you after 15 years of living by this word of God, I have not gotten discouraged by living holy. I have been encouraged. I have seen God do things in my life that I never thought I would do. I never thought I could forgive my enemies, but God has helped me to do that. I never thought that I could look upon women pure, but God has helped me to do that. I never thought that I could control my temper, but God has helped me to do that. No matter what you're doing wrong in life, He can help you to do right. Call on His name, Jehovah what? Y'all embarrassed to say it? Just give it your best shot. Somebody say, Shikanu. Let's say one, two, three. Shikadoo. Okay, sounds like something you eat at the Brazilian, uh, you know, one of those Brazilian steakhouses. One, two, three. Jehovah. Shikadoo. The Lord our righteousness. Number three. Jehovah Rohi. 
The Lord, our shepherd, Psalms 23, Rohi, O-R-O-H-I. David prayed a prayer. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Is the Lord your shepherd today? Who's guiding your life? He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me besides quiet waters. Do you know that sometimes the Lord has got to make you do something? Now, he won't go against your will, but when you give him permission, he'll do things that sometimes you don't understand why you're doing it. But it's for your good because he's your shepherd. Have you ever given your children things that maybe they didn't want, parents, but it was for their good? Have you ever had to make them get their shots? but you knew it was for their good. God is the same way with those of us who are his children. He is our shepherd, and he will make you lie down in green pastures and lead you beside quiet waters. So there is no excuse to getting lost when you're with the shepherd. Think about that. People are like, man, I'm so lost in life. I don't know what's going on with my family. Man, I don't know what I'm doing on my job. I don't know why I do what I do. I'm so lost. When you are with the shepherds, you cannot be lost. He is the ultimate GPS. He is the God positioning service. God, where am I? You're in a situation right now because you dropped out of high school and you're having to get back your GED and you're getting frustrated because you don't want the GED instructor to teach you how to graduate. That's where you are right now. The way out of it is to pay attention, get your GED, and then I have a plan for you. Thank you, God. Where am I? Oh, you're in a bad relationship because you dated somebody that was not saved. Now you're wanting to be saved, and and they don't want you to be saved. And so you're crying out for help, and I'm with you. But you may have to leave them to go forward. And the solution to the problem is trusting in me. He is a God-positioning service. He'll tell you right where you are in life, and he'll tell you how to move forward with him. He is a good shepherd. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and another voice they won't listen to. So if I see you acting crazy, being with somebody you're not supposed to be with, acting a certain way, I can just say, oh, you ain't following Jesus. Look at you. What a hot mess in the South. We got Mina from New Orleans, baby. Y'all heard me? Look, some people are hot mess, ain't they? Come on, be a hot mess. And you know why? Because God won't bless a mess. When you know you're lost, we go to a GPS. They used to go to a map. When you're lost in life, God, I don't know what direction to take. I don't know how to get through this valley. You know Psalms 23. Enemies all around you going through a valley, facing trouble. What does the Bible say? He will be your shepherd. He will lead you through tough times. He'll lead you through economic tough times. He'll lead you through a death in your family. He'll lead you through every situation you face because He is Jehovah, Rohi, the Lord, our shepherd. Hallelujah. And he's also Jehovah Shema. The Lord is always present. Ezekiel 48 verse 35. Somebody say Shema. Do you know that there's no place that you can go to get yourself away from God's presence? You could go to the belly of a whale like Jonah and God is still there. If we sent down people to repair that, that, that thing down in the ocean, that oil well, if we had the ability like Jacques Cousseau to send him down two miles, guess who's there? God, if we have the ability to go to Mars, guess who's there? God, Jupiter, guess who's there? Outside the Milky Way galaxy, God is ever present. How much more is he present with you on your job? How much more is he present with you on your commute? 
How much more is he present with you when you go through your everyday life? He's there. Now, I wish every time he was there, you would feel him like you do when you're here. But just because you don't feel him like you do here at times doesn't mean he's not there. And I'll tell you what, the better and closer you get to God in this relationship, he will surprise you. How many have ever had Holy Ghost surprise visitations? Like you're in the shower just doing your thing. It's like, I am here. And then you just start crying. God's presence comes. Y'all looking at me crazy. I've woke up in the morning going about my daily chores, and boom, God just touches my heart, brings me to my knees. There's been times I've just been watching a TV show, and something silly will just happen, and then God will just tell me, that's how I see you, this means that, this means this, this is what's been going on in your life, I'm here. Tears coming down my eyes. I was watching something with my wife, and, and, uh, and, and she, I was watching TV, and she went away, and little Bethany was there uh, you know, playing with their crayons. And, and I just started playing with the crayons with Bethany. I'm already crying thinking about it right now. And I was just playing with Bethany, drawing right here in front of the TV. And then all of a sudden, God put a worship song in my heart. And I started worshiping, and then tears started coming down my eyes. And then Nancy walked in, tears started coming down her eyes. God is where you are. Because he's always there. Why do we get discouraged in doubt? Because it doesn't tickle our emotions. But if we could just get the idea that he's always there. And when he's tapping you and talking to you, it's those times you'll never forget. And they'll hold you through those other times that you say, God, God, God. God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? He's still there in those times. Because he'll say, remember I came that one day when you were drawing with your baby. I'm still here. You remember that time when you were in your car and I came? I'm still there. I never left you. You see, God is not our tickle monster. He doesn't just come and tickle us all the time. He's not there just to make us feel better. He's there because He's God, and He will touch you when He wants to because He's God. And you need to learn to let Him be close and at times let Him feel like He is distant. That is all between Him and you. Don't put it back on God and say you're not there. That's His relationship. That's how He is. Would you stand with me, please? Even though you don't feel him, doesn't mean he's not there. Ezekiel 48, verse 35. 48, 35, the Lord is always there. When we get to heaven, we can ask him about the footprints. Anybody ever read that poem, The Footprints? That's exactly how I see it. And we can ask him, we we can say, why? And you can just say, because I wanted to. He, He can say whatever he wants, but I'll tell you what, he's there. And you know how I know that I know that I know? Not only is he there for me. Whenever I watch somebody backslide and they don't think God's there and they go leave the church and all this crazy stuff happens, you know what I see? Their lives start to fall apart. And then they'll come back to a service and all of a sudden tears will start streaming down their face. Come on. And they'll say, I miss this. You see, they they know when he's there. They just forgot to be patient and wait for him. Don't give up when things get tough, my friends. The distance all around the city will be 8,000 cubits. And the name of the city from that time on will be, the Lord is there. Band, would you come? Do you know that one day we will be in heaven 
and I'll see God like I see you and you see me? Yeah, we won't doubt, and guess what? You won't need faith either. But in God's plan, he made life about faith. I don't know why. You can ask him. But didn't Michael Jordan have to have faith when he was a kid that he could be great? Doesn't the person today who goes out in the car have to have faith that the wheels aren't going to fall off? Isn't really faith the greatest part of our life? Because we always hope and desire for things we don't have, and it's those things we don't have that we work so hard to get. Didn't the parent have to have faith they could be a father or a mother? Well, that's how God made the world, and that's how you operate with him. And sometimes he'll be, like the song says we sing, uh, we've sung in prayer time, sometimes he'll be closer than your skin. Let's get the acoustic, please. Sometimes he'll be closer than your skin. Everyone look here. Look at my skin. Here it is. No distraction right here. Sometimes God will be closer than your skin. Other times he'll seem further than the moon. I don't know why. But in those times he's so far. Put your faith in him. And he will come close. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. You start pursuing him, he'll come after you. And he'll say, I'm here. The longest time that I've ever not felt the Lord's presence was for a few days. And I was just getting nervous. I was like, man, what's going on? Did I sin? I mean, did I, did I grieve him? And then a few days later, just boom. God just rocked me so hard. And I was just weeping. And I was just, oh, God, I love you. I feel your presence. There's no one like you. This is why I serve you, because you're real. You're always with me. And as tears were just coming down my eyes, all of a sudden, in that precious moment, I just had like a thought. And it was like a thought of pride. And I can recognize it now. And it was just kind of like, hold, hold on. I said, God, where were you? In that precious moment, I just, I knew he was there. And I, and I, and I know it was pride, but I asked him, I said, God, where were you? And this is what he said to me. He said, I was always there. He said, I was there. Friends, just because you don't feel him doesn't mean he's not there. Do I live for those moments when God's presence just rocks me? Yes. But I'll be faithful to him when I don't feel it. I'll be faithful to him because he is always there. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. That you are Jehovah, the God who is the self-existent one. God, I thank you today that you are Jehovah Jireh. Band, just let the acoustic come up here. I just want this to be an intimate moment. Sorry for bringing you up here. Just go acoustic, brother. And you don't have any amplification, just play. God, you are Jehovah, the self-existent one. Wrap your mind around that for a moment right now, friends. Come on. How can something not have a beginning? How can someone encompass all time? How can someone be present everywhere? And how can someone be all-powerful? That's who we're saying our God is. God, I can't even imagine how great you are. But I put my faith in you today. And Lord, I ask you to open the eyes of our heart that we may see you more. Open our eyes, O oh God, 
that we may perceive who you are more than we ever have before.